tune into this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from a full episode with Danny Lum and it's episode number 332 where we discuss isometric training, the adaptations we get from it, why we do it in the first place and how we can create isometric strength training exercises based on specific positions that our athletes find themselves in their sport. So a really interesting episode with Danny. But just before we do dive into this episode, I want to say a big thank you to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're looking for a solution to be able to collect, analyze, visualize, and present data to coaches, check out AMS Lite from Rock Daisy at rockdaisy.com. Well, just, just moving on from the, the testing side of things onto the, the training side of things. So isometric training as a as a whole, as a modality, why would why would people do that? What what benefits are people gonna get from isometric training? Then we'll dig a little bit deeper into mm-hmm. into that topic as a whole. Yeah. Okay. Um first of all, again, it is similar to the isometric test. Um it's it's simple. Um the the risk of injury is very low. Um, you can see in in most of the injury rehab cases, um, people will start off with isometric training first. Yeah, get the muscles uh, activated, get the muscles working. Even when they are in the cast, um, the exercise physiology uh, would advise the 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 uh, patient to perform some form of isometric contraction so that the muscle is still working. Yeah. Um, So these are the advantages of um, isometric um, strength training. Uh, Well, the, of course, the disadvantage is um, people believe that uh, isometric strength training is, uh, you you only gain um, strength in that specific angle specific joint angle that you train at. Um, of course, this is, uh, if you look at into the literature, this is not true. Uh, it really depends on um, uh, the joint angle. So for example, you position your joint angle uh, at, uh, I take the knee angle, for example. I position my knee angle at um, 90 degree and versus a knee angle at about 150 degree. So at 90 degree, my quadriceps will be stretched more as compared to at 150 degree. So if I train my um, quadriceps at knee angle of 90 degree, where it's stretched a little more, then the strength gain will um, uh, will increase across a greater range of movement as compared to uh, uh, quadricep at a short length, which is 150 degree. So uh, based on literature, if you are training your muscle at a longer length uh, using isometric strength training, then um, it might, the strength gain might range up to about 40 degree from the angle that you train at. But if say you train at a short muscle length, which is about 150 degree knee angle, then um, the strength increment might uh, range between about 15 degree away from the uh, uh, angle you train at. Yeah. So when it comes to the, the actual adaptation we're getting from isometric training, how does that how does that differ with n- removing the the eccentric and the, the concentric? Um, the 
Des, des... Okay, adaptation is pretty much similar. Yeah, like you, you still get um, strength increment, you still get um, um, increased uh, neural firing, um, neural recruitment, and um, hypertrophy of um, uh, muscle. Um, one of the one of the adaptation that isometric is uh, isometric training um, is superior to dynamic movement is the increase in tendon stiffness. I'm not too sure about the details like into the how the cell adapt and so on, but um, that uh, is report that the increase in tendon stiffness is one of the things that is reported in um, a few studies. Yeah. And um, the increase in tendon stiffness has um, uh, in high implication in rate of force development. So with um, greater tendon stiffness, the, the force transmission from the muscle can be more efficient and hence um, improve the uh, force, force production and rate of force development. Interesting. So you put a, you put a video on, on Twitter, I think it was last week, of you working oh, with yeah. some cyclists in some, in some quite specific positions for cycling. And I just want to chat a little bit around that and it probably ties mm -hmm. into some of the work that Alex is Alex is doing and has done in getting athletes in very sport specific positions and, and creating extra ex, isometric exercises mm -hmm. within those. What kind of process are you going through when you are thinking about integrating some of that into these specific positions for these different sports? How are you creating them exercises? What goes through your head at that point? Okay, um, two things. So. First, I'm always looking at um, where the first thing is where the concentric force of concentric action is initiated. So, um, and second is the um, position whereby it's, um, re it reflects the most biomechanically disadvantaged position. Yeah, so like the sticking point of a squat, for example. Yeah, so. Um, these are the two positions where that I usually get um, the athletes to adopt when performing the um, uh, isometric training. Yeah. So, so for a cyclist, for example, those that haven't seen the video that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I that you posted and I retweeted, mm -hmm. um, what will be the process for a, specifically for a cyclist? And can you give us a paint a bit of a picture of what that looks like? Okay. So, um, just imagine you're doing. Um, a split squat and you're doing a split squat and the, you are, you're trying to lift uh, the load, um, a loaded tread bar. And so what I did was I loaded, loaded the tread bar with so much weight that the athlete could not lift it. Yeah. So uh, it is basically getting the athlete to perform the isometric um, split squat at the bottom range of the movement. And that kind of reflect, it, it, that was kind of similar to the position a cyclist adopts when he's on the bike. Yeah. So yeah. before they push down the pedal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there, there, there recently there's this um, study by uh, Cordy, Cordy at all. Yeah. Cordy, I think his name, yeah, Cordy. Um, 
he actually what what he actually did was um he got this uh cyclist to be on the bike and then um they actually um made sure that the pedal could not move and okay. they got yeah they got the the cyclist to um perform isometric contraction at that point so it's, it it was really a very specific position for the cyclist and the the partic the participants are actually elite cyclists so um they actually showed that with that training um even an elite cyclist could um improve their peak power yeah so is, is there any other examples of, of other sports that you're working with where you've done a, a similar thing and you've analyzed the movement gone to where the concentric like, mm -hmm. disadvantaged position is and then um, create exercise around it yeah um I, we we did with the um carcass so i i have a study um uh, which i did with the carcass um what i did was i replaced like two sets of squat two sets of bench press and two sets of bench pull with the isometric um, version of it and the joint position they adopt was similar to the the joint position where the pull phase of the kayak stroke was initiated and um, what we found was uh, with by replacing two sets with isometric training as compared to a normal traditional strength training um, the carcass strength actually increased and um, performance on the ergometer um, 200 meter time trial on the car ergometer was um, improved um, more than the group that only did the um, uh, traditional strength training yeah so what i believe was that um, because we, we we got them to um, perform the isometric training at the position where the kayak stroke was initiated um, that sort of increased their ability to overcome the initial um, uh, drag force that they, they would face yeah one interesting thing that the, one, that the studies that you've mentioned the work that you've been doing with high level athletes is this applicable to, to lower end athletes and maybe youth athletes to incorporate this this sort of training i believe so uh, because um, some of my participants for for the kayak um, study were were actually collegiate um, athletes so they weren't um, they weren't training as much as the national team and um, i also have one study that i just did with um, recreational runners so yeah and what what we did was we compared um plyometric and isometric training uh for um endurance running performance um so the isometric condition did isometric mid thigh pull and um isometric plantar flex of the ankle yeah so the ankle was uh, in the neutral position when they did the plantar flexion so what we found was um running economy was actually improve in the um, isometric group as compared to uh, the plyometric group. So um, one possible reason is because um, recreational runners um, tend to avoid heavy strength training. So um, with the isometric um, exercises as a stimulus that greatly improve their strength. Yeah. But um, 
those were recreational runners, so they weren't elite. So um, in that sense, I, uh, people might ask, would that work for the elite runners then? Yeah. That's the next project. Um, yeah, I'll probably have to. I probably have to work with someone on that. Uh, we need. Yeah. We don't have that many elite runners in Singapore. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip came from episode number three hundred and thirty-two, and that can be found on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today, and I'll chat to you next time.